This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Coming up on Vancouver Consumer, we'll talk about the outlook for lower mainland real estate in 2022 with Dan Jones from Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Dan always has some good insight into the state of our real estate market and why having a professional real estate appraiser like Campbell and Pound on your side can make all the difference. I'm Martin Strong, and that's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. As the weather gets somewhat back to normal for the lower mainland, it's looking like the rest of winter may hold some more cold snaps like the one we just had. Environment Canada says we can expect more below average temperatures throughout the remainder of our winter. They had a similar warning in early December, and so far that prediction uh, is proving accurate. Environment Canada meteorologist Bobby Seacon says that every winter offers the possibility for extreme weather events, regardless of the long-term forecast. But overall, the Lower Mainland is expected to see a very La Nina-like winter as we move forward in time. Uh, Meteorologist from Environment Canada, uh, Brian Proctor, says that means a cooler-than-normal sort of winter pattern and probably a little bit wetter than normal. WestJet Airlines says it is being forced to cut 15% of its flights through to the end of January as it deals with staffing shortages thanks to the Omicron variant. The Calgary-based airline says it has seen a 35% increase in active cases among staff in recent days, with 181 WestJet employees currently affected by COVID-19. WestJet says it had to delay and cancel a lot of flights over the past few days, and it can just no longer predictably staff its scheduled flights. WestJet says guests whose flights are canceled or rescheduled by the airline will be eligible for a refund. If your impacted flight uh, happens, you will be notified by the airline. The announcement comes as more than 850 flights were canceled in the U.S. on Wednesday. There were nearly 1,300 cancellations for flights entering, leaving, or inside the U.S. on Tuesday, and about 1,500 on Monday. Cancellations began to spike the day before Christmas during what is already a very busy pace for airlines this time of year. And comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan has canceled his upcoming Vancouver show due to the COVID vaccine mandates in our province. That show was at Rogers Arena and it was sold out. Rogan said, uh, this is a quote, quote, I don't think I can even get into the country. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get vaccinated. I have antibodies. It doesn't make any sense, unquote. The show had been set for April of the new year after being canceled from the same date two years ago, just as the pandemic was starting. Ticketmaster says the event is canceled and is assuring buyers that they will receive a refund. Uh, British Columbia, of course, requires proof of vaccination to gain entry into any indoor events and businesses like a concert. And on December 17th, in an attempt to control the surge of the Omicron variant, the province announced that they were limiting venues of more than 1,000 people to 50% 
capacity. Canada also requires those traveling from the U.S. to show proof of vaccination along with a negative PCR test when entering the country. And Rogan, who is 54, got COVID back in September. He claims he was cured because of ivermectin, a drug that has shown no clinical proof that it does anything to treat the coronavirus. This is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, some great insight into our real estate market from Dan Jones. He's with Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. We'll talk to him next. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, the first day of 2022. And if you owned property in Canada, anywhere in Canada in 2021, you saw the price of that property, the value of that property go up on average by 25% in the one year. So it's a, it's an interesting time for real estate. And if you think about all the real estate um, you've looked at through your life, uh, multiply that by a few thousand times because my guest right now has dedicated his life to looking at and appraising real estate. It's Dan Jones, president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, and he's with me now. Happy New Year, Dan. Well, Happy New Year to you, uh, Martin, and thank you for having us on. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the real estate appraisal game. I mean, in this kind of crazy market we're in, uh, why is a professional appraisal so important? Well, appraisals are important for a lot of reasons. I mean, there are many, many reasons for them. Uh, we have to do them a lot of times when uh, home buyers are applying for a mortgage as borrowers. Uh, refinancing, when you have an existing mortgage, you need to uh, talk to your bank, credit union, or financial institution, and you're going to need an appraisal for that. Uh, we, we recommend them for insurance premiums on sort of more complex residential real estate because we w- you want to make sure that you're not paying too much of a premium if your property's way over appraised. Uh, that can happen with, uh, you know, factoring and compounding of inflation rates over the years on an old appraisal where they don't renew it every year and it's just uh, factored up by the inflation rate. And then, of course, there's litigation, divorce, uh, people that need them for estate purposes, uh, baby boomers passing real estate down to their children, uh, many, many reasons. Partners yeah, trying little- to set up a business or whatever. Yeah, so there are a lot of different reasons why you would call Campbell & Pound. You go to their website, campbell-pound.com. Um but how do you stay on top of a market like this when it's moving so fast, when list prices uh, are, are going through the roof and uh, it, it just seems like it's changing all the time? How do you stay on top of it? Uh, it's difficult. It's challenging. Uh-huh. Um, but in order to stay at the top of our game, we, we make a point of reading everything we can and listening to the professionals out in the marketplace, the uh, the local realtors in various neighborhoods, um, city officials, um, what's going on with the density? Has there been any uh, changes happen? Is there any planned? Um, and of course, there's a pandemic going on, so that's that's another issue. Um, you know, we went from a position in our real estate market locally here where we had no international buyers for a while, you know, 
from 2020 until uh, the last part of 2021 when the international borders opened up. So then you had the participation of uh, you know people from the United States, people from China, Japan, all over the world. And um, before that time, the real estate market was uh, was very uniquely uh, local, uh, British Columbia and uh, Canadian buyers only kind of thing. Yeah. So what what's your general outlook? Uh, that's a tough question, I know, but your general <laughs> outlook for 2022. Well, uh, that's a tough question. And the reason it's tough is we all know that Vancouver's got a tremendous housing problem in terms of um, inventory. There's um, This is probably the greatest shortage of uh, available product when compared to the, the high uh, demand that I've ever seen in my 47 years, and and uh, I really mean that. There's, you know, a lot, a lot of the uh, the listing numbers have just declined and decreased. For you know, for example, um, you know, in Vancouver, we probably saw declines in in the um, in the listing market itself, uh, some 35% when, when you compare to uh, what was listed in December versus, for example, what was listed in November. Uh, you combine that with, as I, as I mentioned earlier, the you've got investors in the market, you've got first-time home buyers in the market, and then you've got uh, Mr. and Mrs. John Doe who are really interested in maybe moving up in the, in the market um, to something uh, maybe they need more space. Maybe they need a new neighborhood, or whatever it may be. Um, so all of that demand creates uh, a problem when there's very little product. It creates uh, price increases. It creates creates multiple offers. Um, fear of missing out. A lot of people bidding on the same property all at the same time, and we all know what that's led to. Yeah. The, the FOMO, the fear of missing out, which right. which also often leads to people bidding on houses uh, way more than the asking price. And right. in my experience, um, I'm always looking at uh, the thing you get in the mail from the city telling you what the house is worth. And in my experience, it always kind of lags behind what the houses are actually selling for on your street. Um, does... Though, do those appraisals uh, reflect market value now, or are they kind of lagging behind? Ooh, um, it's a good question, and it one it's one that should be really clarified. Um, I'm going to start off and I'm gonna put a subject clause on here, if you will. Um, <laughs> and, and what that is is that people should know before I answer this question that um, an increase in assessment doesn't necessarily mean it an increase in, in property taxes. And that's because the various cities and municipalities determine their budgets. As we all know, um, some budgets are determined now, some, are, but you know, they have until usually about May 15th to come up with the finalized numbers. And that's a simple calculation of dividing the budget by the number of taxpayers or parcels of land that are going to be paying property tax within a city, region, or municipality. So if the value of all those properties doubled in one year, for example, um, and the budget didn't change, there shouldn't be uh, theoretically a change in the property taxes that would be due by a taxpayer. 
Of course, the problem is you've got different classifications um, and tax rates. Industrial play, pays one rate. Major industrial properties pay another. Single-family dwellings and uh, condos pay another uh, low rate. They're usually the lowest rate. Farm class rates um, and those types of things. So um, what to get to the simple answer now after qualifying that, um, I'm seeing like changes of as much as 50% in some locations. I'm seeing a minimum change of a probably 25%, 30% in places out in the valley, um, some places on Vancouver Island. But it's not unusual to see 50 to 55% change um, depending on how accurate that number was to begin with. And the reason I qualify that is because the um, date of appraisal, if you will, for BC assessment is July 1st of the preceding year. Well, they're talking about July 1st of the preceding year um, from uh, last year. So the assessment that you're looking at right now is not based on July of 2021. It's based on July of 2020. So the real formula there is how much did the value go up between July 2020 and December 31st, or which is where yeah. we are today, uh, of, of 2021? Um, quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, because you're talking in some cases fifty percent. Right. So that's like that's like a year of of value that that's not right. factored in. Now, if some people may have their assessments right now, some of the uh, batch um, re real estate people may already have a notification of their assessment. I'm not an assessor, but I I would be very surprised if those assessment notices for 2022 are not in the mail. And these big increases that we're talking about will be showing up in your mailbox in the next two weeks. Right. And then you will have until the end of uh, January to make a decision whether you, you feel it's a fair uh, indication of the value of your property as of July 2021. But wow. as far as I know, I haven't received mine yet. So uh, everything that you look at, if you looked at the real estate board statistics, the tax sheets that are out at City Hall, they're all based on um, the 2021 assessment, which is based on a July 2020 value. But if you get this new notice with the new values in the next week or two, it's going to be based on July 2021. So you're wow. only going to be six. You're only going to be six months delayed, not uh, not 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 an entire year. We're talking to Dan Jones, business coordinator and president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. You can find them online at campbell-pound.com. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which you may have already answered. Should someone pay more for a house than the appraised value? I guess you're, you just basically said they occasionally should. You mean the assessed value? The, uh, the assessed value. That's what I meant. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, I guess that's a huge different thing. Assessment well, and appraisal. Yeah. Well, if all things were constant and there was never a change to real estate values, it probably wouldn't be a need for an appraisal or an assessment because values wouldn't change. There's cities like that in North America that probably have the same value today as they did three or four years ago. I don't know where they are, but <clears throat> Because we have, uh, you know, the main component here is time. And no matter what date 
the assessor is given to shoot for as a goal, I'm, I'm going to suggest that it's always going to be difficult six months, a year down the road when markets are still moving upwards or downwards. Unless things stay constant, that's the only way it'll be the same. And hence the reason why um, it's a never-changing moving ball, right? The, the value of your real estate. I mean, what seemed expensive two years ago seems like the norm today. Right. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And uh, should you, to answer your question, um, <laughs> in this current market, I think it's safe to say you would definitely pay more than the assessment that that's in front of you right now. Um, I don't know about the new ones, the two, 2022, because I haven't seen them yet. Um, friends of mine, uh, people I know that are assessors, because that was my former background. I worked 13 years at BC Assessment, um, have told me that there's going to be some big changes. And depending on where you are, that those percentage increases are going to fluctuate based on what the market tells them. Right. And we really are in a, a climate of FOMO, fear of missing out. And uh, do you fear sometimes that, that maybe there's too much FOMO in the market and that people are making big mistakes? Well, it, it depends how you have to qualify the word mistake, because <laughs> I'm one of these believers, much like some of our uh, very smart real estate investors in this country and province that look at real estate as a long-term thing. It's not a short-term investment. We we can't make our our investment decisions on something that changes overnight. So if a stock went down tomorrow 10%, would you sell it or would you keep it long-term? I mean, it, real estate is, and here's the key word, emotional. It's emotional because it represents stability within a family. And I mean, People buy real estate. They want the reason they buy real estate most times is because they want to control their destiny. I don't <laughs> want the I don't want the landlord to tell me after fifteen years that it's time to leave next week because yeah something's happened in his or her life and they need to make a change and it's going to cause a disruption in my life. So that's that's probably the number one reason most people have bought um, uh, the. A piece of real estate and you know when they buy right. it for a non-investment purpose they buy it for family reasons and they buy it this is going to be our family home forever or for short periods of time throughout and and if you look at canadians wealth and how it's been built it's it's generally from the real estate that they bought and Absolutely. Well, let's take a break, Dan. Uh, I want to get more into this, the emotional aspect of real estate. It's Vancouver Consumer, and we're with the uh, business coordinator and president of Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And when we come back, what hurts a home appraisal? That's next. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking real estate with Dan Jones, the president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. You can find them at campbell-pound.com. And uh, who are the people? What are the stories uh, behind the the people who need Campbell and Pound that need a real estate appraiser? I know uh, divorce. Uh, is an unpleasant situation where people need to to have their house appraised. But but who comes to Campbell and Pound? Who goes to Campbell-Pound.com to to use your services? 
Well, we've got a lot of professionals um, in the accounting game. Um, many people are faced with capital gains taxes if they've been um, willed a property and they've kept it for a few years and then they have to sell it and there's a capital gain on it or they become investors in the real estate market and the same scenario takes place. They've got to uh, be accountable for the, the capital gains through Revenue Canada, of course. And in order to do that, we need to know what they purchased for the pro purchased the property for. And if it was willed to them, they're going to need an appraisal as of the day it was willed to them so that uh, Revenue Canada can calculate the difference between the date it was willed to them and uh, obviously the selling price. And um, in Canada today, it's a 50% uh, capital gains tax that is applied. Um, the same thing can happen to uh, folks that live in their home for many, many years. Maybe the kids move out of the house and they become empty nesters. And they say to themselves, why don't we just hang on to the family home? We'll rent it out and we'll move into a condo. Uh, I've seen that scenario many times. And then lo and behold, when they sell the uh, the property, it's no longer their principal residence. It's became an investment property the day that they moved out of the property to their condo. So they would need an appraisal as of the date that they moved out. And, right. Uh, so it wouldn't be the date that they bought the house 20 years ago. It would be the date no. that they moved out. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, so we get uh, accountants that uh, commission our, our services for that type of thing. Uh, there's sometimes a, a crystallization of assets or a freezing of assets that takes place uh, in the accounting world. And uh, we'll get um, accountants and lawyers that'll talk to us about that. And it'll be a portfolio if it's a company, it could be corporate or it could be personal. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. John Doe uh, can be in the same position. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's many other uh, professionals that, that look to us as well. There's the insurance uh, business. There's the baby boomers tran transferring real estate into the hands of their children. Of course, the children now are in their um, late 20s to mid-40s sometimes. And um, depending on where you are or what it is, that it helps them, uh, their children, get into the real estate market. So there's all the accountability and ledgering of that that takes place. And um, Campbell & Pound specializes in uh, doing retrospective appraisals from a previous time period. Um, for example, on a capital gains appraisal we did recently where the people had held onto the property and purchased the property in the early 60s, around the time the Beatles were out, and, and <laughs> they, they didn't sell it until just recently and sold it for quite a handsome amount of money. And, of course, uh, the capital gains that was due because it wasn't a principal residence property um, was 50% uh, of the gain. Wow. So we were asked to do a retrospective appraisal as of December 31st, 1971. And, you know, there's properties that are selling in, oh, I don't know, Kitsilino or Point Grey for two and a half, three million dollars that were only selling for about $175,000 back in those days or, or even less. Um, and it's just a, it's not a matter of just plunking a number down as an accountant. They want to see a full, uh, real estate appraisal that has sales and transaction transactional sales that took place in the real estate market. 
Right. And that's a, that's a lot of money. So it's very important that uh, you get it right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, we get a lot of people that are wanting to know what um, certain improvements to their property might add in value because we always tell people that cost never does equal value. It's very seldom it does. There's very few things that you do to a house that actually adds value that is, is after the house has been utilized and lived in. For example, I always tell people painting's the best return on your investment because if you take a house and you just paint it, the, the amount of money you spend on the painting and the paint um, should be exceeded if you sold the property. Oh, interesting. Uh, not so great investments, but again, emotional investments. Um, people will put swimming pools in their home, in their property, and might cost $100,000 in bricks and mortar cost, but we have found through paired sales analyses by looking at the difference between uh, all the other similar components to the house and discounting all of that, um, that the market's only paying maybe thirty dollars or $40,000 for the swimming pool that cost $100,000. Yeah. A lot of people are aware of that, and they, they take that into consideration, and it's, again, it's an emotional decision to, you know, they've got, people in the family that want to be, want to have a pool or, you know, I know of a, there's a few homes in Whistler that have a couple that have skating rinks in them, for example. <laughs> so when you go to sell that property, that the amount of money that was spent to construct and build the skating rink might be, might be lost, might, it may not be recovered by the return in the real estate market when the sale takes place. And that's what appraisers do. They look at, uh, trying to compare we call them paired sales analysis when somebody says tell me what what's happened to the market in the last six months in my neighborhood because every neighborhood's different and we do the same thing we we compare all the similar components we try to use similar homes similar lot sizes and uh, what were they going for six months ago what are they going for now we do a, a you know apples to apples as we call it comparison and try not to do an apples to oranges comparison and then we can come up with some numbers that actually can be supported with sales that have transacted. We're talking to Dan Jones, business coordinator and president, Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. You can find them online at campbell-pound.com. And we've been talking about some of the things that can increase the value of your home. And uh, a coat of paint apparently is the most cost-effective way to make your house uh, more valuable on the market. And a swimming pool, not so much. I guess a kitchen is, is um, people love kitchens, but they're very expensive to put in. Yep. Yep. Got and I'll just finish off the, the, the pool thing. You know, some, I had somebody say to me one time, well, think about it this way. If you were living in California, you can use a swimming pool 12 months of the year, but in, in BC here, you probably only use it about 30% of the year because of our weather. And uh, yeah, that's about what the return was on, on the hundred thousand dollar investment. So, so what are the, the things that really hurt a home appraisal? What do you look for uh, in things that negatively affect the price of a home? Well, uh, there's a few things that um, lenders don't like. For example, there, there are many uh, uh, conventional lending is, is decided by bankers and credit union executives and financial institutions across Canada. And there's there's certain things they, they're very weary of. And when we first had, this is going back before the, uh, the legalization of cannabis, but, you know, uh, 
grow-ups that were found in homes in quite a few rural areas throughout the Fraser Valley would uh, affect the value of the property. And it wouldn't just be a matter of um, uh, these grow-ups would go in and they were very unsophisticated in terms of their wiring and how they were installed. And quite often it would create uh, um, sweating within the uh, in the building. I'm not a building inspector, but everybody pretty much knows that mold is a is not a good thing and you can have a property and once the mold gets in there it grows like a cancer and it can uh, affect people's health and really becomes uh, something that um, and the main thing is that the lenders don't want to touch a lot of homes that have had grow ops in them and of course then it becomes a question when the appraiser goes in to find out whether or not what was the extent of the grow up was it just a seven by seven area underneath the rear deck out at the rear of the property or was it the entire basement or the entire house that was uh, commissioned for for the grow up so there's all these different um, scenarios that take place uh, we have some banks that look at uh, um, I, I think getting back to the initial question what are what are some of the things that hurt you well i think if if you compare two homes if people we always say to realtors always say that property showed very well you know and i think that's always right. the important thing when you're going to sell you you have some properties now that get staged and and you walk into them and you think you're in a showroom at the home show or something they're just really beautiful and there are companies that are actually commissioned by realtors uh, when they do their listings it helps them move the property uh, for a maximum price, and it also helps them move the property quicker into the market. If, if we're in a more constant market, it's not so difficult in what we've been going through recently, but um, I still see it a lot. So it, it always comes back to good grooming and uh, good landscaping, taking care of uh, the property, keep it painted every five to seven years, uh, exterior and interior, um, so that things always look fresh. And of course, then people make decisions to do some renovations. And you talked about the kitchen briefly earlier. And I think kitchens are also a major, um, a major component because we spend a lot of time as as uh, people in Canada in our kitchens. We we have our coffee in the morning in the kitchen. We have our meetings. If uh, back in the day when people had parties. Uh, they would quite often end up in the kitchen. So kitchens are, are, are usually the major uh, major core to, to a renovation. And quite often we will be asked to tell me what the value is before I do my renovation. And then can you, can you folks come back and give us an idea what it would be worth as if it were renovated. And here's a list of the renovations, list of the items we want to make and change. We want new doors. We're going to have new windows or whatever it might be. And here's a budget to, to tell the appraiser how much it's going to cost. And then we will try to make uh, decisions on um, sales in the marketplace of homes that have been renovated versus ones that are original condition, maybe. And we can come up with a fairly accurate number. And people will make a decision on how much they're going to spend and when they're going to do it and what they're going to do based on that type of evidence. Yeah, it's, and it's funny you say about kitchens and parties. Uh, when we used to have parties, now the kitchen <laughs> is used for, for Zoom calls and business meetings. Correct. <laughs> and it's become kind of an office for some people. Exactly. And I guess that's that's true how the, the home has changed, uh, not only over the years 
uh, of COVID, but over the past, you know, 50 years, how the, the function of the home has changed. Very true. Very true. And it, and, and, it, and it goes by region too. I mean, when you go back to the Maritimes, of course, they, they always talk about the kitchen party, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking before COVID, of course, but uh, that's And there'll be true. an after. There'll be an after yes. COVID too. Uh, well, yes. Dan Jones uh, is the business coordinator and president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And you can get in touch with Dan uh, just by going online campbell-pound.com and uh dan i just want to wish you uh, all the best in 2020 year 22 uh 2022 and i'm guessing you're going to be appraising a lot of homes uh and i hope you have a great year i uh thank you very much martin and uh, thank you very much for having us happy right. year to all your listeners and and your staff so go to campbell-pound.com and get in touch with Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And coming up next, it's the history of New Year's Day and how we can thank Julius Caesar for the fact that New Year's Day is a holiday. That's coming up next. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer, the first one of 2022. And did you uh, have fun last night? I hope you did. And I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're not too uh, hungover. Uh, did you know the first New Year's celebration dates back 4,000 years? Yes. Julius Caesar, the emperor of Rome, was the first to declare January 1st a national holiday. And he named the month after Janus, the Roman god of doors and gates. And Janus has two faces, uh, one looking forward, one looking back. So that kind of makes sense for New Year's. So you're looking back, but you're looking forward. Um, some new uh, New Year's customs from around the world. Be sure to eat leafy greens today on New Year's Day. Tradition says that the more leafy greens a person eats, the more prosperity he or she will experience which is, you know, not a bad deal. And plus, leafy greens are good for you. Tradition also says legumes bring prosperity because beans and peas look like coins. Uh, a lot of people are uh, have been ringing in the New Year's by popping open a bottle of champagne. They did that last night. North Americans drink close to 400 million glasses of sparkling wine every New Year's Eve. Uh, the bubbly dates back to the 17th century when the cork was in, invented because I guess you can't have, uh, you know, sparkling wine without a cork. Uh, the New York Times or the New York Times Square New Year's Eve ball drop, that's kind of the biggest celebration in North America. You probably watched it last night, tape delayed uh, by three hours because they're in an Eastern time zone. But that celebration came about because of a ban on fireworks in 1907. The first ball that year, 1907, was 700 pounds and it was lit with 125 watt lights. The current ball, the one they used last night, uh, kind of puts the old one to shame. Today, it is covered in 2,688 crystals, is lit by 32,000 LED lights. It weighs 11,875 pounds and is 12 feet in diameter. And if Santa is the most common symbol associated with Christmas, then Baby New Year is the symbol that is most commonly associated with uh, New Year's. Uh, baby New Year is, you know, you see see him in a diaper, 
usually, uh, and a black top hat and a sash showing the numbers of the new year, 2022. And the myth states that uh, this baby matures into an old person during the year. So at the end of the year, it's an old person, but at the beginning of the year, it's a baby. That's kind of self-explanatory. Um, and according to statistics from the National Insurance Crime Bureau, vehicles are stolen on New Year's Day more than any other holiday. So today is the busiest day for getting uh, your car stolen. In Canada, the most commonly stolen vehicle this past year was a 2018 Ford pickup. The F-150, the 250, the 350, and the 450 shared the top spot as the most stolen vehicles of the year. Well, this is Vancouver Consumer, and coming up, it's looking like 2022 will be the beginning of the end for the plastic grocery bag in the Lower Mainland. Got that story coming up next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.